I want to share something with you as I move into the message. And the message today is really a bit of vision casting, if I can, for really 2019. Uh, we spent a lot of this last year talking about the goodness of God and really trying to feed you on the goodness of God and help to strengthen you inside. And I want to take some time today to, to maybe cast a vision for 2019. And I'll begin by saying this. When we started Ember, which will be four years in March, we took out a five-year lease on this facility. So we have one year left when March rolls around. Just saying. And in that time, we've had three property, three property managers in those four years. And the first property owner was a believer and was so easy to work with. The other property owners have not been quite as willing to negotiate on price and things like that. And so we've tried to get some extra space along the way and uh, haven't been able to do that. But I told the Lord the other day, I said, Lord, I said, something's getting ready to happen one way or the other. <laughs> Some, something's getting ready to, to happen. And so the property actually from JD Fashions coming around to Roses on down this side, as far as we know, it will close and there will be a new owner of this uh, for the first of the year. Uh, we actually were looking at trying to buy it and someone beat us to it. So again, I look to God and I say, God, something's getting ready to happen. And you're going to have to tell us what that what that is. And I believe that a lot of what is going to happen will be informed by how we choose to do ministry in 2019 and beyond. And I actually believe that God is going to give us a new way of doing ministry. And that that new way of doing ministry is even going to affect the architecture of the buildings that we create. I'll let that settle in a little bit. You may have to tuck that away. Ponder that in your heart and come back to it. I know some of what I'm telling you today is going to look a little different. Probably raises a lot of questions. You know, we've seen church done a certain way for so long that when somebody mentions something, you know exactly what they're talking about. You can fill in the dots. You can connect the dots. You may not be as able to connect the dots today as this thing that is stirring in my heart. Uh, but I hope that the Lord will give you a, a vision for it. And so it started here with this I-58, this housing thing. And so Leslie is the director of I-58, and Leslie has been setting up shop over at State Farm. And so I go over there one day to talk to, I can't remember if I was going to talk to Chris at State Farm or if I was going to talk to Leslie at uh, I-58. But I went in, I went in through the back door that day, and she had people in her office, and she had people lined up down the hall because they were in need of housing. And they were, they were coming to Leslie because they believed and had heard that that was a place that you could find help. And I said, wow, isn't that interesting? And I left out of there, and, and it was like the Lord just illuminated this thing for me. I-58 doesn't have a sign out by the road on Columbia Street that says that's where that office is. There's no sign. There's no sign on that building that says I-58 or what I-58 is. But when you walk inside... That was standing room only. And she has a, a board with names on it. And before we repaired the first house, there was a year and a half long waiting list. I'm going to say that again, just yeah. so you get the, the gravity of that, okay? We hadn't repaired the first house yet. We were waiting to get all of the approval in line where we could begin construction on the first house. And she had a board that had a year and a half worth of names as far as we could tell. 
So many people were calling. Chris actually told her, he said, we don't need to lead anybody on. You need to just tell them to wait and call back next year. And we hadn't built the first house. I hadn't, hadn't repaired the first house. And as I got in my car, I said, you know, isn't that interesting? There's no sign. There's no advertisement. I-58 has put no money into advertising, and yet it seems like anyone that has a need in that area has found out that if you go there, maybe they can help you. And then I started thinking about church. And I said, you know, every church has to have a church sign out by the road, right? Tells you what time we're meeting, what our daily schedule is. We got signs on our buildings, but unfortunately, we find that at least in America, people are attending church fewer and fewer, less frequently over the years. I wonder if it's because we have gotten stuck in a way of doing things that no longer really helps the people who need help. I, I wonder if our churches are under attended because we no longer help people who are in need. And maybe... Just maybe <laughs> the world has weighed and measured the church and found it wanting. But it's still looking, still hoping, still believing. I find that people are still spiritual, even if they don't want anything to do with church. They're, they're still hoping that there's a God, even if they don't really know if there is one or not. They're, they're hoping that there is one. They like to believe that there is one. And they want to know that He cares about us that He loves them, that he, he wants good for their lives. And so I started thinking and said, you know, we've got to get back to doing ministry the way Jesus did it. And I, I think that if Jesus were to walk into our services, which are typically about uh, a set of music and a set of preaching, and you, you know, you've been to church, right? Yeah, okay. Everybody's been to church, I thought so. Yeah, you know, you know what to expect when you got here, roughly. You know what to expect when you go somewhere else. You know you know the subtle differences denominationally and, and all you know what's happening. I, but when I look at Scripture, that's not exactly the way Jesus did ministry. I said, what if we just got back to the simplicity of the way that Jesus did ministry? And then let that inform maybe how we, we do life and how we do ministry in the, in the years that are coming. And so I want to take you to a handful of of scriptures one is in mark chapter 16 and i will say this before we get into the scripture there are 34 times in scripture 34 verses that say people were crowding in to see jesus great crowds were coming great crowds of people it keeps mentioning it crowds 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 were coming why? Because they had a need and they heard that this man Jesus could potentially meet the need that was in their life. So he's drawing a crowd because they believe there is something in him that can fix what is wrong in them. And he tells his disciples in Mark chapter 16, Jesus has been crucified. He is leaving his disciples. These are his parting words to them in Mark chapter 16. I'm in verse 15. He says, And he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In verse 20 it says, And they went out and they preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by signs that followed. Now I don't want you to miss that word back in verse 15. Go and preach the gospel 
the gospel. Most people who have any affiliation with church have heard this word gospel. What, what does it mean? It means good news. If you've never heard me say it before, in the Greek, it was this word. I'll see if I can get it right. My Greek is worse than my English. Eongelion. A Greek word, eongelion. In Greek literature, you don't find it anywhere. If you find it, it's rare. It's a word that means something that is so good, it's almost too good to be true. And the reason you don't find it in Greek literature is because every time somebody would get ready to write that word, they'd say, nah, it ain't that good. <laughs> it ain't that good. You ever done that when somebody's talking about something good and all of a sudden the, the devil kind of comes and says, it ain't that good. I mean, come on. It, I mean, you know, you, you're, you're exaggerating. It's not that good. And then they wouldn't write it. And it just sat there. But when Jesus was crucified, buried, resurrected, and ascended to the Father, those disciples said, now that's too good to be true. This message that Jesus preached, it's, it's too good to be true. What is the message of the Gospel? What's the good news? If you don't know the good news today, you have to leave here knowing it. You've got to listen right now. You have to hear the good news. The good news is Jesus is not counting your trespasses against you. Amen. That Amen. Jesus came and realized that there were some places in your life and it was a mess. But He didn't turn from it. He turned to you. Yeah. He didn't turn His back on humanity. He came and became human. Gave His life. Why? So that He could make a new covenant with us. Where He said, this time I'm making a covenant that I choose. The Old Testament Moses covenant, the Ten Commandments, was a result of the people of Israel saying, God, tell us what to do and we'll do it. We don't want a, a relationship with you. And He said, okay, here goes. Any of y'all ever struggled to keep those ten? All right. <laughs> so what does Jesus do? He says, I've got a better word for you. I'm making a new covenant with you. It is not built on the rules. It is built on a relationship with me. And I'm going to pour out my goodness on you, not because of what you've done, but because it's who I am. Yes, sir. He said, this go around, I'm going to be who I want to be. And I'm going to be good. I'll let it rain on the just and the unjust. I'll let the sun shine on the just and the unjust. Now as humans, that's when we begin to think, wait a minute, I'm not sure I like that. Because there's a part of us that like to see people get what's coming to them. Until it's time for you to get what's coming to you. <laughs> and at that point, you're hoping somebody can find some mercy for you. And God said, in this new covenant, mercy will triumph over justice. So the good news is that Jesus came to save you. Did He come to give you eternal life? Yes, He did. Uh, is, is there a resurrection? Yes, there is. But in a funeral that I preached this past week, I said, the best thing about the good news is that God said He is my Father and that He loves me with an enduring and an everlasting love. I am loved by God. You are loved by God. You could walk in here and you didn't even know that. You can walk out of here and not believe that. But you will not change the fact that God loves you. You won't change it. 
He refuses to budge on that. And so the good news of the gospel is that I have been saved. Yeah, I got eternal life, but I've got Zoe life right now. Full, whole life. You say, I'm not walking in that, Pastor. I said, yeah, because most people don't actually know the gospel. They don't know they're supposed to. They don't know that they can. That's why I said go and preach the gospel. Because people just didn't know that about God. Didn't know how to live that way. That's why Jesus said go and teach them all that I commanded you to do. Teach them how to live free. In 2019, you know what God wants from you? He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free in every area of your life. And saved means to be whole. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be whole in your mind. Is there anybody out there that's struggling with some depression? Creeps in every now and again? Maybe it comes in and and it gets dark. It gets dark and you're not sure when you're going to come out. You've come out before, but sometimes when you go in, you're not sure if you're coming out, right? And he says, I want to make you whole. I want to heal you of that. Anxiety. He says, I want to make you whole of that. I want you to know that you don't have to worry about your family. You don't have to worry about your finances. You don't have to worry about trying to get another job. I love you. And I will take care of you if you will let me. (laughs) Jonathan Brunette, I'll call him out. He won't mind. I don't think he'll mind. He said he found out that the greatest obstacle to his relationship with Jesus Christ was himself. He said he had to learn how to get out of his own way. And I will tell you, that's the problem. The problem's not on God's end. God is a good Father pouring out, pouring out goodness. The problem is we keep getting in our own way. For 2019, just get out of the way. Get out of your own way. Trust that God is good and let Him be good. That's the Gospel. The Gospel is whole. And if you were to ask, whole where? I would simply say whole everywhere. Everywhere. Every part of your life, your family's life, your extended family's life. When you go to work, some of you have been trying to get out of work because there's a bunch of people there and you don't like them. And you're trying to get God to get you out of there. And God says, I just soon you stay. Because you're the only one that has any light in them there. And I want them whole too. You see, you serve a God who is relentless. I I heard that. Somebody hollered it in the service. He is relentless. It means that does He love you and will He pour out His goodness on you? Oh, yes. He's wanting to pour out goodness everywhere you go. He's wondering if you'll be willing to let Him use you. And it really ain't being used anyway. I don't like that term, by the way. You know, we say, let God use you. When people use me, that never turns out good. Huh? You ever notice we'll say some religious stuff and it don't make sense when you th- once you think about it. You know, just let God use you. I'm just letting, just want God to use me. He don't want to use you. He wants to work alongside of you. He wants to walk alongside of you. He wants to be hand in hand. And when you go to work, he says, I want to go too. <laughs> yeah? Novel idea, right? Yeah? When you're worried about parenting, I want to parent with you. I, I, I want to start that business with you. He says, I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it. I want to help you do it. And so it's this good news 
And, and the reason I went so far into that is because we have limited the good news to somebody walking down an aisle and saying a prayer and stamping a ticket to heaven and then going out and living like nothing's ever changed. That breaks my heart. Because your life was supposed to be fundamentally different when Jesus came in. Different in every way. So we've got to preach the gospel this year. And the cool thing about it is this. Y'all know I'm not a, a hellfire and brimstone preacher. For some people, they can make that effective. I, I can't pull it off. But here's what I can do. I can tell you about the goodness of God, and it don't matter how long you give me. I can do it in two minutes. I can do it in ten. I can do it in two hours. Or I'll talk to you for your entire life if you'll stay around. And I'll tell you about the goodness of God. And I think some of you are carrying around an amazing story. You're carrying a story of the goodness of God, of what He's done in your life, how He's moved in your life. And you're thinking that somehow you've got to give somebody the Roman road and ask them to receive Christ. And what you should be doing is just telling your story. Telling them about the goodness of God. And telling them that you're not His favorite even though you feel like you are. <laughs> he makes you feel like that. But tell him, he, I'm not his favorite. He loves us all that way. He'll, he'll do that for you. I got to move on. Okay. So we got to tell the, the good news. Jesus told the good news everywhere he went. He was telling them about the Father. Telling them about the love of the Father. Breaking stuff off of them with his words. And then in 1 John 3, 8. Crystal, get ready. 1 John 3, 8. It says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. And when I read that, it scared me. <laughs> Did you read it? That, that, that verse will scare you. It says, the one who practices sin is of the, the devil. Most of us sitting in the room are like, okay, I am not perfect. <laughs> huh, what does that mean for me? He says, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Here's let me tell you what that means. For some of you who are struggling because there's a, there's a habit, there's a hang-up, there's something in your life and you can't seem to shake it. And you come in on Sundays and sometimes you come in off of guilty because you're fresh off that sin. And it makes it hard for you to feel like you can sit in that seat because you feel like a hypocrite. And the devil tells you you shouldn't be there. You ought to stay at home. And sometimes you find a way to get inside, but you can't find much joy when you get in there because all you can think about is your sin. What this verse says, though, is the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. When he died on the cross, he broke the power of sin over your life. And because of that, as Miss Joyce will say, there is no person who will ever go to hell because of sin. Because those have been forgiven. Amen. The choice is, will you follow Jesus Christ, the one who forgives us of our sins? And what happens is, when Jesus comes in, He starts breaking every chain. In fact, that word destroy in the Greek, I don't know why I'm doing so much Greek today. I try not to do that. That word means to loosen, to unbind, to unravel, to break. And here's what I want us to do. I've asked Crystal, and I, we just talked about this 20 minutes ago, right? Before the service started, however long that was. 
I said, I, I heard in the songs that were playing before the, the service, I said, I heard it, and it sounded like you. I said, will you sing it? I said, because I believe what happens is as you sing it, God is literally going to begin to break the chains off of sin that has held us. Now, now, let me tell you how to prep for this song, okay? The way you prep for this song is, is we're going to lose the twinkle in the eye. My friend Harold Everly calls it this. He says, we're going to lose the twinkle in our eye for sin. Whatever that thing is that's been holding us, a lot of times it's been holding us because there is some fun in it, right? I mean, there's some satisfaction in it. There's something that kind of draws you back. And the problem is, oftentimes we want to quit, but we've still got a little twinkle in our eye for the way it used to be. What we're going to do right now is we're going to allow ourselves to grieve over the sin in our life. I know that ain't popular anymore. We don't like to be sad. We try not to be sad. But if that's what's held you and you cannot get free, what I want you to do is allow God to break your heart over that thing. I want Him to show you the devastation that it has caused, if to no one else but to you. Because you're the one that's not free. You've probably hurt a bunch of people by it. But in reality, you've hurt yourself more than you've hurt anybody else. You've destroyed your own life. God's plans for your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing that song. We're going to allow us to see that sin the way that it is. We aren't going to make excuses for it. We're not going to blame our parents for it or the way we were brought up. We're not going to, we're, all we're going to do is look at it and say, I don't want any part of it anymore. God, come and be the one who destroys the work of the devil in my life today. Today. I can't think of a better time for him to do it. You know, why would we wait and make that our New Year's resolution? Right? Come on, let's stand for a minute. I got more to do, but this is important, okay? Y'all sing if you want to with her. Or just sit there and allow God to begin to break every chain off of your life. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There's an army rising up. And 
there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. And there's an army rising now yeah sing that and there's an army rising now and there's an army rising now yes to break every chain break every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain amen 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 <laughs> now yeah you can be seated now let, let me tell you what's going to happen you're going to get worse and worse at that sin. That's what's going to happen. You, it, you're, going to get, you're going to get worse and worse at it. It, it, it. Some of you are going to find that it's instant and it's broken. Some of you are going to, you're going to look back and you're going to find out that even if you try to do it, you're going to be bad at it. <laughs> you, you'll be worse at it than you ever were before. So expect that. One more chain that I believe is going to be broken over our lives is this. And the Lord just dropped it in as, as, she was, as Crystal was singing. He's going to break you from your own condemning thoughts about yourself. Amen. Yeah. I, I would venture to say 90% of what's wrong with you is just the thoughts that you have about yourself. Did you hear me? I'm, I'm going to say that again because you need to hear it. 90% of the stuff that is bothering you is your own thoughts about yourself. Do you know that when God looks at you, He doesn't see you nearly as bad as you see yourself? Huh? He sees you as a child, a beloved, one covered in the blood of Christ. He doesn't see you the way you see yourself. So if He doesn't see you that way, maybe in 2019, the thing that you could let go of is your own opinion of you. Hmm? Hmm? Maybe you could just look at your thoughts and start to doubt your own thoughts about yourself. And say, you know what? Maybe my opinion of me is not right. 
Maybe I always see the worst in me. Maybe what I need to do is just chill out a little bit. And say, you know what? If, if God is, is not thinking that poorly of me, maybe I shouldn't think that poorly of myself. Yeah, Lord, thank you for that. He just dropped that thing right in while she was, while she was singing. I think somebody needed that. I got to move quick. Matthew 10, uh, chapter 8, it says that Jesus commanded us to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, and to cast out demons. And there are many people who are in the world wondering, does God still do that? Does he, does he still heal people? And I read books. I, I love to read. And I read these books about churches that many of you would know about and the healings that have gone on and the miracles that have gone on. And I will tell you that I think one of the problems in Chester, South Carolina is we don't tell our stories enough. I'm going to say, I don't think you tell your story enough. Is there anybody in the room that has been healed by God? You say, I know it. I know He healed me. Yeah. My wife had leukemia while we were dating. And 20 years later, here we are. Amen. <laughs> Raise your hand again if God has healed you. Yeah. If you told your story and all of the people in this room told that story, do you think there'd be as many people in Chester that don't believe God is a healer? I think they'd at least have to wonder if God heals. Amen. And then maybe we would have an opportunity that we might tell them that because of Jesus, they are healed. And then we could see a healing manifested in them. Have any of you ever been delivered from anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, there's some people that are delivered and don't think they can get free. That's why you got to tell your story, church. you got to tell your story. Satan's been trying to keep you quiet because he don't want the word to get out that God is good and that He heals and that He delivers and that He sets people free. That's what He does. And He said, now go and do that stuff. And then this last one, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts 10. Verse 38, it has become one of my favorite verses because I believe that there is an anointing on this church for this very thing. Amen. Acts 10, 38, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit. Church, you're anointed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is the gift of Jesus to us. And with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. <laughs> A third Greek word, if I may. <laughs> doing good. He went about doing good. What was he doing when he went about doing good? That word is the word we get philanthropy from. Philanthropy. He went around doing good things, which meant if there was hungry people, he helped them be fed. If they were naked, and believe it or not, you think people need clothes today, literally there were people there who did not have anything. They were literally naked. They worked naked. They lived naked. They couldn't afford a garment. Most people only could afford one. What did he do? He clothed them. Philanthropy means if there's a person that needs a place to stay, that you provide a place for them to stay. The Old Testament was very clear about sharing homes. And so what did Jesus do? He went about meeting the needs of people. Why? Because He loved them. 
And there's this old pastor who has been long dead. His name is Charles Finney. And he said that the hearts of God's people would be on fire for benevolence. Be on fire for God to move in people's lives. And so he went about doing good, whatever good required. So long the churches went about doing good because we thought we had to do good in order for God to like us. <laughs> and so we did good because we thought if we didn't, God was going to get on us. But Jesus went around being good because He couldn't help being anything else. I, I hope you're getting that. And that we do good as believers. Why? Because it's our nature. It's what we're supposed to do. When we do it, it's when we'll feel most alive. It's when we go about doing good. So I, I want to propose a fundamental change in the way that we do things. I want to propose a fundamental change in that one of the reasons we gather as a group of believers is to meet the needs of people who are in need. Whatever that need may be. Now, as you noticed, I don't have a, a checkbook up here and I don't have a, a big old pile of money. What I do have is a song we've been singing that says we serve a God and He's a way maker. And I believe that anybody who comes that needs something from God, I believe that God will allow us the opportunity to minister them into an effective way. You know, there were some people, they came and they said, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus looked at them and said, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, wait a minute, I, I needed healing. He said, yeah, but it's that sin that's forgiven that's going to make way for you to be, be healed. You see, Jesus always goes to the root of it. Real quick, can I just say that there are times where a person is in a crisis and a person when something is chronic. And in most of what I see in Chester is this. We don't have crisis problems. We have chronic problems. But in order to get help, you've got to make it sound like a crisis so somebody will help you. What I want to do is be a church that deals with the chronic issues of life. There are a lot of times people can't afford to pay their bills because they need to get an education. And they need somebody to tell them, you are not stupid. You can do this. We will help you. And, and we said, wait a minute, does the church do that? Yes, that's what the church did until we subcontracted it to everybody else. But I will tell you that we don't have to work against the government. We don't have to work against the school system. I have found that they welcome the church. They want the church involved. They believe that the church has a place. So I'm saying we need to go after unemployment underemployment Amen. getting people driver's license you can't get to work if you don't have a driver's license right Amen. and a lot of times people will come up and they'll say i need a job and we'll go oh bless your heart i'm gonna pray for you <laughs> or somebody comes up and say you know i am i need a place to stay i don't have anything will you will you give me three nights in a hotel and i'll go and and typically we would go oh no we can't do that i'm sorry i'll pray for you someone came the other day and i said can i explain to you that you don't need three nights in a hotel because in three nights you won't have a hotel and you'll be homeless again if you'll let me i want to really help you but it's going to require something on your part. His eyes got real big. He was like, okay, tell me. I said, I'm going to make some phone calls. 
I called that care coordinator, Kim Sconyers, I was telling you about, who knows everything. I said, we need a shelter for this man so that he can get his life back in order. Three days in a hotel is not going to fix it. She called the shelter. They said, we don't have a bed right now, but we'll put him on the waiting list. If he can get to Bethel Church in Rock Hill, they have a warming station. He can stay there until a bed opens up. Gave the man the, the information. He had a friend who was willing to drive them there. Now that's a solution. Amen. That to me is something real. That's something that will change somebody. Now I don't know what he did. <laughs> he, he never called me back. I don't know if he went to the warming shelter. And I don't know if he went to, um, to the homeless shelter. I don't know. But here's what happens when I look at Jesus. He never held people following Him over their heads to do a good work for them. That was better than some people realize, Gerald. Because a lot of times the church has said, you got to get your act together and then we'll help you. But, but we don't help sinners and we don't help people that are a mess. You get yourself together and we'll come help you. I don't see that in Jesus. Jesus helped everybody. They were all a mess. And He never required any of them to follow Him. Look, He would heal people and He'd say, go your way. Do you know what that is? That's an invitation for you to do what you want to do. Do you know some of the reason we've been in trouble is because God is so good He lets you do what you want to do? That's why you've been in the mess you've been in. Because you've been doing what you want to do. But Jesus never held people over hell. He never held people and said, you got to do this or that before I heal you. He just went around feeding hungry people. Went around healing sick people. And He never asked anything. He said, you can do whatever you want to do. Because I came to set you free. And if I control you, you won't be free. Amen. 